So as you came in today, on your seat, uh, not if you're at home, I couldn't work that out, there is uh, a nut and a bolt. Does everyone have that? I've got a bigger one because I wanted to show up for the camera, a nut and a bolt. And if you want to play with this during the sermon, feel free, right? Screw it down tight, take it off. It'll give you something to do if things get a little bit boring, which they won't. But if you don't want to play with this, and pull out your Bible and turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. If you want to follow along on your phone, hit the YouVersion uh, thing in the app, hit location, hit church together. The scripture's right there for it. If you want to open a new tab on your computer while watching from home, please do so. But we're going to talk from the book of James over the next few weeks because the book of James, right, David, is all about nuts and bolts. You remember last week that as Daryl was sharing with us, and uh, hey, Daryl and Marilyn, they're watching in Virginia uh, today. Daryl shared this story about how when his kids were really young, they put together a swing set. They did it right. Everything was tight. It was uh, founded in, in cement. It was pretty solid. But later that week, as Daryl was reading the instructions, the instructions told him to go and check the nuts, nuts and bolts on a regular basis. Because if we don't check the nuts and bolts on a regular basis, then those who are on the swing set are susceptible to injury or even death. Sounds a little bit dramatic, probably written by a lawyer, but you get the point, right? If we're not checking our nuts and bolts, then things can collapse. And Daryl so brilliantly equated that to our faith. If we're not checking the nuts and bolts of what it means to follow Jesus, if we're letting those bolts fall off the nuts, then we are not living the fullness of life that Jesus invites us to. The book of James is almost like this New Testament book of Proverbs because it's just full of nuts and bolts about what it means to follow Jesus that we need to make sure we're tightening. Because if we're not tightening, then we're loosening. And as we become loose on the things of God, things start to suffer in us and for the kingdom of God. So to start off this study today, I want to talk about three things Three bolts that we need to tighten. Turn to James chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 19. And just look at that first section today. Three nuts that have bolts that need to be tightened. This is the word of God. James said, My dear brothers and sisters, Understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
For human anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James starts off by talking to the church as he talks to us today as brothers and sisters, because what he's about to share are some instructions about how we live together in family, in the community of the fellowship of the church. He says, understand this. The the, the word here has an exclamation point after it. It's called uh, iste in the Greek. It means you got to know this. It means listen up. This is really, really important for you. Then he says these words, which I would propose are the first nut that we need to tighten on our bolts of what it means to follow Jesus. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, it's funny, when I first read this uh, earlier in the week to prepare my studies for this, as I read this verse, I thought, man, this is a perfect verse for blank. And man, I hope so-and-so is at church this Sunday because they really need to hear this verse. But James starts off by saying, everybody. Everybody involves everybody, and everybody starts with me, right? So as we're talking about this principle, don't think it's for them, although it is. Remember first that it's for you. He says, everybody must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He's talking about that in our relationships with one another, we all must walk into those relationships with a degree of humility. That the conversation is not about me, The interaction is not about what I can get, how I can make myself look. It's about them. And it's about setting an example. The first tightening that we need to do on our bolts is that we are called, as followers of Jesus, to set an example. I would ask you, how tight is the example that you're setting. Is your example getting pretty loose to the degree that that bolt might come off and things might fall apart? James says, we are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. He's talking about the humility we must have in our relationships. I may have told this story before, and if I have, forgive me. But a few months ago, uh, I was invited to interview a NASCAR driver for the Better Man ministry that I'm a part of. Now, I don't know much about uh, NASCAR at all. In fact, so much so that I had to call Alan and help me do it with it because he's my NASCAR expert. 
But I do a little bit of research on the guy that I'm interviewing. And I see that this guy has only won, th- uh, he's only had, what was it, like seven or eight top 10 finishes in like 350 races. Now, I don't know much about NASCAR, but that doesn't seem like a great record to me. So in my arrogance, I'm thinking, is this the best use of my time? You know, I mean, this will be nice for the organization, but this guy, he doesn't have a lot going on. So I did it. We had a great chat. He's a, he's a follower of Christ. He's witnessing for Christ. He was speaking from the uh, middle of the track. We had a great conversation. Anyway, go to bed a couple of nights, think nothing of it. Get up uh, after my nap on Sunday afternoon, turn on the TV, and NASCAR's on. So I watch it for a little bit, just going round and round and round and round and round and round. The rain, uh, race got canceled, rain came, I went to bed, got up the next morning, and I got an alert on my phone that the winner of this year's NASCAR was the guy that I'd been in- interviewing, right? So I'm thinking, hey, maybe this guy won NASCAR because of our conversation. <laughs> Later in the day, I found out that the interview that we had done was going to be put out on local radio to 180 different markets all around the country. I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. (laughs) So this happened, and they sent me a clip of what they played on the radios. I'm excited. Yeah, people recognize my voice. Maybe, Maybe there's a shout out for me in all these markets. As I'm listening to this clip, I realized that they had edited out every word I said and every question I asked and just strung his answers together as one long monologue rather than an interview. And there was something inside of me that was kind of disappointed, and it should have been disappointed. And I love how how, how God knows how to uh, level my ego a little bit. But the one take home for me, when James said, we must be quick to listen and slow to speak, what he's saying is that we must listen with a humility that means we don't hear ourselves. Does that make sense? That's the example that we need to set of being a listener, that when we're in conversation, we are not hearing ourselves because we are listening to the other. What are they saying? What's their message? What's their need? What is it that God wants to do in this conversation? Quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to anger. You know, we're living in a world right now where we get angry so quickly, right? We amp up so fast. And it causes so much pain. And it causes so much harm. And beyond the stuff it does in the world and to those around us, it's the stuff it does to us that really hurts us when we get angry quickly. It limits our witness for God. It diminishes the power of God working in us. There there are some things that we need to get angry about. There are some things that we need to get more angry about. Issues of, of justice and inequality and all that kind of stuff. 
But so often when we're quick to anger, we're getting angry because we didn't get our way, right? We're getting angry because we're selfish. We're getting angry because our ego has been bruised. And when we do that, we're not setting the right kind of example. The right kind of example that we need to set, this first nut and bolt that we need to tighten, is that we need to be people who are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. The reality is that we get the the wrong way around, right? We are slow to listen and quick to speak and quick to anger, and it's a problem. And so because it's a problem, James says, therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is prevalent. Humbly receive the imparted word which is able to save your souls. What's he saying here? He's saying because you get this wrong and it's so important you get it right, you must rid yourself of all moral filth. This phrase moral filth is really a pretty gross one. It talks about the idea of wearing clothes that have been spoiled. Now, not spoiled like because they got a crease in them, right? Not spoiled because you've spilled a little bit of juice on them, but spoiled because you've had a big, messy accident. And James is saying, when we get things wrong, when we are setting the wrong answer, when we get the verbs confused in this instruction, it's like we're wearing these spoiled clothes, this sin, this ugliness, this brokenness, this stench, this thing that reflects poorly on who our great God is. And so he says something something profound. You've got to rid yourself. Quite literally, you've got to take those old, dirty, messed up clothes off and humbly receive, humbly put on the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What is saying here is that we need to get rid of ourselves and all of its stains, and all of its ugliness, and all of its selfishness, and all of its brokenness. And let the implanted Word of God come to us, dwell in us, dwell on us, wear Him, so that He can save our souls. John says at the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. What's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And here, James, all these years later, is saying, if you want to set the right example, if you want to tighten that bolt then you have to lessen yourself and increase Christ in you. You have to receive his forgiveness and throw away that past so you can walk into his future. 
The first nut and bolt that James is saying, you got to tighten, is this bolt of the example we set. The reality is we get our example wrong when we're living in ourselves and we only get it right when we're clothed in him. When we're letting Jesus save our souls. When we're letting Jesus change us. When we're functioning as his ambassadors, as his representatives. The, the, the first bolt that James is saying to Titan surrounds the example that we give. So let me ask you this morning, as you're, you're holding these nuts and bolts, how tight is the example that you're setting for Christ and his kingdom? Maybe there are parts of your life when it's real tight. But probably there are parts of your life where it's really loose. James is first saying, when it comes to the example that you set, tighten the bolt. He goes on, secondly, not just only do we as his people have an example to set, we have a task to grasp. We got something to do. We, we cannot, he's saying, not just sit there in our nice Christian Christ-like clothes and be happy that we're going to heaven one day. He says that's not what it means to follow Jesus. He's saying we have a task to grasp. This is what he says, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only who are deceiving themselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgotten hero, but a doer who works, this person is blessed by what we do. Here's the second thing that James is saying. If you're following Jesus, if you've been saved by his grace, if the filthy clothes have been stripped off you and you've put on Christ, the second bolt that you need to tighten is that you've got to get to work. You've got to express your faith. Now, we're not expressing our faith because that's how we get our faith. And we're not expressing our faith to earn some points before God. We're expressing our faith because we're grateful for what God has done. James is saying, as Christ has set the example for us and we set the example for others, that example needs to be active. 
says, if you're just talking a talk, but not walking the walk, then you are deceiving yourself. Then you are kidding yourself. Then you are messing with God. Then you are becoming a hypocrite. And you are presenting an incorrect picture of who God is to this world. We tighten the bolt of setting the right example. But we also tighten the bolt by realizing that we have a task to grasp. Christianity is not a spectator sport. John Calvin said, obedience to God. Putting our faith into action is the mother of the true knowledge of God. Says this is the problem with a lot of Christians. That they walk up to the mirror and they look at themselves and they think, man, he's a pretty good looking guy. Or she's a pretty good looking girl. And they smile to themselves and go about their business, happy because they've seen their own reflection. And it looked good for a moment. And that good look encourages them to live this consumer life. But James says, no, no, no. Let's not look in the mirror to find our task. Let's look in God's word. Let's look at the truth. Let's see what that says about how we should live and how we should act and what we should do and who we should serve and how we should serve. As people who follow Jesus, as people who are tightening the nuts and the bolts, we're not people who look in the mirror and say, oh, that's nice. We're people who look in the Word and say, I've got something to do. God is calling me to something. God is calling me to someone. James says there's this first knot and bolt that needs to be tightened. It's the knot and bolt of the example that you set. But but then he says it's not just getting your example right. It's about putting that into practice. It's about grasping the task that God has given you. One of the promises of Scripture, one of the promises of God is that God has a task for you. He has something for you to do that if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. He has gifted you and called you and equipped you for that task. And we have to grasp that task. I was talking this week again with someone who was looking at all the struggles in our world. They said, what needs to be done to fix it? And my answer is the same as it always is. The church of Jesus Christ needs to grasp our task and tighten that bolt and serve Jesus and bring love where there isn't love and hope where there isn't hope and healing where there isn't healing. We have a task to grasp. And if that that nut is too loose, then not only do we suffer and struggle, but this world 
This world doesn't either. James is saying we have an example to set. We have a task to grasp. Verse 26, finally he says this. If anyone thinks that he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is saying, you have an example to set. You have a task to grasp. And I believe that we have a people to reach. We have an example to set. We have a task to grasp because we have a people to reach. I love tasks. I, I, I'm a big task guy. If, in fact, if I do something that's not on my task list, I will put it on my task list just so I can strike through it. Is anybody else like that or is it? Only me who needs that certain kind of help, right? In fact, I have this app on my phone that I've used for about four years that helps me do my tasks. It's called uh, Todoist. I think I encouraged Mike to do it, but it didn't really work with you, did it? You forgot to download it. <laughs> Failure at the first task. But I've been using this app for a long time, and they keep track of all the tasks you do and all that kind of stuff. And it's a pretty popular app. And... Uh, a few weeks ago, they sent me a t-shirt because I'm in the top 1% of people who do tasks and using their app, right? So I'm a task guy. I can grasp the task, but the problem is if we're so focused often on grasping the task, we forget what the task is. And the task is all about People. It's all about people to reach. I've got a little uh, note on my computer that simply says, people are the task. People are who you're called to love and serve and support. And so James is saying, if you want to tighten the bolt, you've got to set the example. You've got to grasp your task. But as you do that, don't forget that we have to reach people. We have to reach people with the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the power of God. Then he says this, and Daryl used this verse last week. And he spoke of it so well, I don't want to revisit that. But he says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after the orphans and the widows. What's he saying? It's all about people. Specifically, it's all about vulnerable people. Widows in the social structure of the day had nothing and no one. Orphans had nothing and no one. Last week, Daryl shared with us what the message translation of this is. That our love for God is to express itself towards the loveless and the homeless. James is saying, we must realize that our life is about loving and reaching people. 
If we don't, we're missing the gospel. We must tighten that bolt of the purpose of our life. It's not about tasks to do. It's about people. It's just pure and undefined religion before God is to look after the widows and orphans in their distress. And there's an end to keep yourself unstained from the world. You know what the number one criticism leveled of the church of Jesus is? That we're hypocrites. Think it was Gandhi, right? Who says, I love you, Christ. It's the Christians I can't stand. Why? Because so often we are stained by the world. We're trying to minister to the world, not in God's ways, but in our own ways and from our own selfishness. James is saying there are people to reach. Go reach them. What's your speech? But what's your heart? In, in the midst of, of serving Jesus, in the midst of loving people, don't get caught in the ways of the world. Because we're different. God's made us different. God's called us out. One of my heroes of history there's a guy called William Wilberforce, a, a British guy. He gave his life to ending slavery in England and around the world. He almost single-handedly took down slavery, as it was known. And so I've read lots of biographies about him because I want to know how he did it. Because I want to give my life today to end the modern-day slavery that exists in so many different ways. Not just to stuff, but to sin. But as Wilberforce started his life, he had two missions. One was to abolish slavery. That was the external thing he was going to do. The other thing that he wanted to do was to create a reformation of manners, as he called it. A reformation of manners. When people talk about Wilberforce, they don't really talk about that because that's one of those inside things that we take for granted. But I love what Wilberforce was saying. He's saying if we want to reach people, if we want to free people, if we want to liberate people, we've got to do the external, but we've also got to do the internal as well. James is saying the same thing. Take care of the widows and orphans, but then internally, watch your heart. Don't get caught up in the mess and in the ways of the world. Combine purity of speech with purity of action. Take what you learn in the holy place into the marketplace. As we start this study on James, and there's some good stuff in this book, I want to 
encourage you to keep this little nut and bolt that you have with you. If you're watching at home, just go in the garage and get one at the hardware store and just put it in your pocket as a little reminder as we go about this week. That because we're followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to tighten the bolts of our faith. And James tells us today that this means three things. First of all, it tells us that we've got an example to set. How's your example? Is it tight? Or is it loose? James tells us that we've got a task to grasp. How's your faith expressing it? Is it something that looks good in the mirror? But maybe doesn't look so strong when you hold it up to the, the mirror of God's Word. He says we've got a task to grasp. And thirdly, he says we've got a people to reach. How are you doing at reaching people? How are you doing at, at loving well? Perhaps with the people that it's easy to love, that's pretty tight. But what about those who aren't? How do we tighten the nuts and the bolts of our faith so that we as the people of God, redeemed and saved by Jesus Christ, can live a life worthy of the calling that we've received?